Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. express myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. Oh shit, we're on. We're on. Welcome to the lockdown. Tonight we welcome BJJ Black Belt and owner of Fightworks Martial Arts Academy, Darren Yeoman. With over 20 years in the grappling game, we get the opportunity to chat to Darren about modern BJJ, integration of grappling arts and being a gym owner during COVID-19. Welcome Darren, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate the opportunity. This is no, great. Thanks, thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for it's, coming, mate. It's, uh, it's, it's great to have you on, and it's going to be really interesting to chat to you about um, really how things have been going for yourself and and sort of your background and bits and pieces. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, Darren, just sort of where you're based and, 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 and what you do and, and sort of what, what's been happening, how you got into martial arts in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm the I'm the head instructor. I'm obviously I'm, I'm jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm a head instructor, head Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor of Fightworks Academy in Torquay. Um, been grappling now for like a really long time. Um, I mean, you could go all the way back to like primary school when I was like wrestling WWF with the kids in primary school at lunchtimes, kind of thing. Like it's just it's always been something I've done. So. Um, I guess how it how it all began was, yeah, after after primary school, kind of, I, I'm a classic story of someone who watched the first UFCs, you know, watched Hoist Gracie. Um, I was I was like amazed by that. Like I need to be able to do this stuff. This stuff's amazing. So um, after watching that, um, yeah, there was like Bruce Lee movies in between all that. You know, I was a big Bruce Lee fan when I was a kid. You know, Jeet Kune Do and how he adapted all the different martial arts and things. Uh, practiced on my brother a lot. Got the old VHS tape taken away from me for beating up my brother too many times. My parents took that away. Um, and then I guess when it really started to turn into something was around about 98 when I joined the army. And uh, I found a guy there that, that taught that taught judo. And I always loved grappling. I always, but there was no real Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the Southwest at all. So in the army, having the opportunity to, to jump in and get involved in judo was, was amazing. You know, that was a really, it was great because we, we used to be able to train every day for hours and hours. And this guy would just teach me judo. And then other people would gravitate towards it. Done a couple of army judo competitions and then we kind of we all started talking about the ufc we all started beating each other up at lunch times and things and it just kind of grew from there when i left the army though i ended up like a bit of a hiatus i couldn't find any grappling anywhere so there's nothing going on in the southwest right this is like back before youtube back before any jiu-jitsu black belts from the southwest or anything like that so I ended up finding the old uh, SFUK forums for those who are old enough to remember remember those ones. And I found a guy called Paul Carthy who was running a kickboxing and grappling academy in Paynton, which is just down the road from me. So, um, yeah, so I, I met up, I hooked up with Paul on this SFUK forum, went down, not knowing what to expect. And literally since that day, like we've been training partners. He, I mean, he's more into the kickboxing, but he loved the grappling as well. And that was kind of, that was my thing. Like I loved grappling. So it turned from being a kickboxing and jiu-jitsu academy into a pure grappling academy at that point. And I'm a massive, massive introvert. So I, I like, I never wanted to teach. I just wanted to train like fade into the background you know I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to be pushed up front or anything but after a little while Paul kind of started pushing me to teach some of the the, the club classes 
And since then, I never really looked back. Like it was something I really didn't want to do, never would have pushed myself to do. Um, but I've got to give a big shout out to Paul Carter, who really like pushed me into a teaching role. And and since then, you know, the the, the journey with grappling, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we had to travel all over the country because there's nobody in the Southwest. We had to go Manchester for Gorginho seminars, to London for Hodge Gracie seminars. We try and get Roberto Atala, Braulio when he got into the country. We try and get everybody down and go away to competitions, do whatever we could, but we really had to travel for it. And um, yeah, we've we, we done sambo, wrestling, judo, competitions, whatever we get hands on, we'd have a go at it, you know? And um, yeah, I guess, what are we now, like 22 years later? And what was a tiny little Torbay Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, um, I turned into my my full-time business about 10 years ago and it's never been busier it's never been more popular I've never loved it as much it's like it's my life now it's like my whole life revolves around jiu-jitsu and grappling so yeah it's been uh, yeah. it's been pretty incredible so what have you got there Darren have you got are you is it a purely jiu-jitsu academy you said that Paul was more into the striking side so do you run MMA programs or do you have kickboxing sessions going on what sort of things do you go, get, have going on in your academy Okay, so what's happened is it's, it's, it changed from what was Torbay Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a, a grappling academy, um, into what you now know as Fightworks Academy, which is um, an actual business rather than being a, a club. So Paul's got his own life, um, and I turned it into an actual business. So I ended up partnering with a guy called Chris Barris, who was a Thai boxer at the time. And he, he came to me saying, you know, I've I want to do MMA. You know, I want to learn to grapple. I can tie box, but I want to learn to grapple. So I was like, okay, great. You know, why don't, you know, you teach me some tie boxing. I'll teach you some jujitsu. Um, and let's, you know, let's do this. And we did. And then we ended up as the kind of years passed on, we ended up working together. We ended up opening the business together. He was my business partner. He'd run the tie boxing program. I'd run the jujitsu program. And then we obviously, Back at that time, it was around around 2008. It was like the first wave of MMA. That was like the first time when MMA got really popular in the UK. And we started expanding. We had loads of MMA fighters. Chris was running all the MMA and the Thai boxing. I, I stuck to the jiu-jitsu side of things. And the whole academy, it grew based on the integration of jiu-jitsu, Thai boxing, and MMA, like the the sort of the trifecta, if you like. So that's what really like pushed the pushed the academy on. And a couple of years after we opened up, we took on a uh, another business partner who who invested some money into the business, and we we kind of went big. You know, we kitted it out, made it really nice, expanded the timetable, and yeah, it's just it's it's just kept growing since then, really. I think we've lost Dave. Dave's oh. gone. How long? Um, yes, yeah, so I, I met you. Sorry, you go. You go, Kronk. You're how long? You go. Sorry. Yeah. How long was that? Was that um, the growth? Sorry, before the investor came in to when you started seeing it, seeing the returns on it, seeing it fill up. Okay, so it was. We started the academy in around 2008, right when that recession hit. So I figured like, if we can make this business work during recession, then um, it's probably not gonna get a lot worse than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where we are now, right? Um, so when we, when we opened up, it was about two years before we had the investor come on board, Matt Gudgeon, and he's been, he's been fantastic. And um, the numbers have steadily grown over the last the last last 10 years. They've just gradually very everyone's probably sick to death of exponential curves at the moment, but it's gradually grown on, on an exponential basis. And 
the last couple of years, it's been crazy. It's been so busy. Like, this is the worst time for this virus to hit because the business was just doing so well. We're looking to move to a bigger premises. We're really excited about it. You know, solicitors, as they do, dragging their heels, taking forever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just gradually grown and grown and grown. We saw a dip in the MMA. So the MMA got really popular at the beginning. And then we found that that tended to attract the wrong type of people, you know, people who had no longevity, people who just wanted to jump in a cage, have a fight, get a Facebook picture and then, you know, sort off and do something else. They had no staying power. Um, and then, yeah, we concentrated purely on the Thai boxing and the jujitsu. And that worked really, really well. We found when we when we focused on those two aspects that um, we could really do a much, much better job just focusing on those two things. And recently, we've really seen a resurgence for people who want to do MMA. So, um, yeah, we've, we've started to open up MMA classes again, and that's definitely a direction we're going to go. Ah, brilliant. Sorry, I'm back in the game. I lost a bit of connection. Hello, Dave. <laughs> Dan, I, I met you in about 2010. Was that your first unit or your second? Second. Oh, unit? which one was Thomas, that? 2010. I think it was near carpet. I'm, just, I'm trying to. My brain damage is too much. But it was. Um, was it the one with the jigsaw mats on the floor? Yes. 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 So that probably would have been. Yeah, we were there for about two years. That's probably around 20. Yeah, 2010, 29. Or yeah, 29, 2010. Yeah. yeah. So you you've been open about two years. Um, because you about were two years then and about yeah. 10 years since yeah yeah perfect because your new your new gyms very nice I've visited both your gyms obviously you you want to go again to a bigger gym again from that and that's your that's your current plan yes i mean it looks okay but it's a bit battered now you know it's 10 years old and uh you know the paint's cracking and uh there's a bit mold in the corners if you look too closely so you know we, we, we try and keep on top of it but yeah, we've we've reached maximum capacity now. We get like, you know, 40 plus students on the mat and we just need somewhere bigger. We need more timetable slots. It's yeah, it just keeps keeps growing, man. So we need a, a bigger, better academy, stay ahead of the game. You know, we were ahead of the game 10 years ago when we opened up that nice, shiny new academy. Um, and now it's it's time to, you know, take that step forward again. There's a lot of great academies around and we want to stay ahead of all that. Yeah. What's it been like since covid Darren, how's that? How's that affected uh, the gym and moving forward? Does that has that had any long-lasting effects on you? Do you think? So um, obviously we've come to a grinding halt at the moment, um, but our, our members—it's been like it's been fantastic how our members have supported us. You know, a lot of them said like, well, you know, we're happy to keep paying our fees and everything. We want to support the business so that we've got an academy to come back to. Uh, so what we did is we made a decision to instead of like relying on people to continue paying their fees, we thought it'd be fairer to reduce their fees by 50%. And then after this is all over and we get back to training, they can continue paying 50% for that same amount of time afterwards. So effectively they don't lose anything. They're not out of pocket at all. But during this period, we provide like lots of online content. We're really well supported by, by Checkmat, who we've just affiliated with. They're doing lots of live streams, lots of like Zoom classes and things like that, which is great. Um, I've been doing a whole bunch of videos myself. I mean, I'm super reluctant to be on video. Like it drives me nuts. I'm not the sort of guy that likes to take videos or, you know, hear myself online. <laughs> so it's really out of character. But, um, you know, you've got to support your students. And uh, that's, mm. that's, that's, that's what I was intent on doing is keeping people engaged, keep them keep them working hard, at least keeping their fitness up, keep them focused on their game. And uh, yeah, when we return, Christ knows when that'll be, but when we when we do return to it, um, I think we'll have exactly the same students we, we had when we left off with. You know, everyone's just chomping at a bit to get back, back to it. Um, if anything, I think there'll be more drive, more enthusiasm. Everyone will be super hyped to get to get back on the mat, you know, and plus more. So I'm really optimistic about reopening again. That's I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, brilliant. Kronk, you had a question for Darren about his BJJ, sort of modern BJJ-esque question. Yeah, I guess it's really what um, 
what do you think is the biggest thing that's changed in in BJJ, the sport in in the last twenty odd years? Um, okay. And how have you seen that reflected in in the school and in competitions? So, I mean, are you talking about jujitsu solely as a sport, or are you talking about jujitsu as like an entity, as the whole the whole package? Uh, I guess the whole package, yeah. Okay, so yes, I mean, I've I've seen jujitsu change a lot. I mean, yeah, I've seen it change a lot over the last twenty twenty two years or whatever. Um, I tend to I tend to separate things out now into different segments with jujitsu. So everyone's got a different reason for training. Brazilian jujitsu to me is the kind of the old school self defense guard based. Uh, ground fighting system right that's kind of how I that's kind of how I see it then you've got you know you've got sport jiu-jitsu which is this adaptation um, which is turned into such an amazing like organic evolution of jiu-jitsu but it's mostly like sport orientated but all these elements cross over into each other right so what I do tend to find, I mean, you've got the other aspects as well. You know, you've got like you've got the self-defense, the original Brazilian jiu-jitsu side of things. You've got the sport jiu-jitsu. Um, and then you've got things like, you know, MMA, jiu-jitsu and MMA. Um, there's lots of different lots of different applications for it. What I tend to see with uh, the modern jiu-jitsu game, I guess. Um, and we do tend to focus more on sport jiu-jitsu at the academy, if I'm honest. Um, I'm, I'm an advocate of the, the self-defense and the jiu-jitsu for MMA as well. That's definitely something that we do. Uh, but the modern game, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's a very, very technical, very cerebral game. I love it. It really pushes me. Like it's, I get on the mats with some of my blue belts and they're doing stuff that I've never seen before because they've picked it up off YouTube or they've seen it in a competition and it really tests me you know like like some new worm guards and all sorts of crazy stuff they're pulling out and and i absolutely love it because it's a test right it's like a proper game of chess it's you've got to you've got to unwind these things you've got to break it down you've got to think tactically and i love that challenge that's different that's different i think to brazilian jiu-jitsu it's sport jiu-jitsu which is very technical very cerebral very um very sport orientated what i do tend to find is these things go in cycles so you'll get someone who'll be smashing everybody with a a new style of guard a new technique and you'll end up coming back around to someone who's winning the world championships just because they're really good at hip control and underhooks you know so every couple of years there's something new coming through but I love that because it's like it's like a self-testing mechanism. You know, you always end up coming back to these basics. There's new stuff that happens and people figure out new tricks, new techniques. And then other people are like challenged to think about how can I shut this down? How can I stop it happening? Because you can't know everything, right? You can't learn all the techniques. You can experience all the techniques, but it's going to be impossible for anyone to integrate all of these techniques into their game. I think it's really important when you learn jiu-jitsu these days to understand yourself, to understand your style, what you like to do, what you feel comfortable doing, and not get too distracted by worrying about what, you know, mate boy on the other end of the mat's doing or worried about what the latest world champion's doing. Like, don't get distracted by that stuff. Focus on what you're good at Focus on involving the area or the the type of jiu-jitsu that you like and you enjoy. You know, don't imitate. If you imitate people, you're going to hit a ceiling. Your body type might not be right. It might not fit. You might look at the the Mendez brothers and think, oh, man, I really want to be like half a Mendez. Right. But, you know, you may be 100 kilos and you can't move like that. Like, why are you going to imitate that type of guy? Why are you going to imitate that style? Like there's other the jujitsu, you know, you just got to choose. And I think that's one of the drawbacks with with uh, that's not necessarily a drawback. Actually, that's that's the wrong way of putting it. I grew up in a time when there was no 
YouTube, right? So we didn't have access to all yeah. these kind of crazy YouTube clips and things. Um, that has absolutely, absolutely changed the game because people can share information and it will, it will inevitably increase people's learning. But it can absolutely hold people back as well. Like people, I often see practicing stuff at the gym and I, and I love it, right? Before the class, you'll see two guys like rolling around practicing something they've seen on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. For some people that may be brilliant, but for others, it might be a massive distraction to what they need to do to improve their game. You know, they, they may be working on some kind of reverse De La Hiva inversion and, you know, they can't even escape mount at the moment. So there's lots of, there's, there's way more pros to all this sharing of online content than there is negatives. But I think with all of the, the online content available, people, people have never needed guidance more than they do right now because it's just it's just got information bombarding you all the time right and it's so easy to get lost in all this overwhelming information so yeah it's it's very difficult to kind of to shut out all the noise that's going on and focus on something specific or something that's specific to you do you think that's a, a benefit of of the 20 years in the game darren because it's something interesting you met because i'm i'm of the sfuk era as well i got the hoodie. Ah, I got um yeah, uh, my yeah. mate is the truth seeker mark chen who used to frequent the, the forums and we used to yeah, go on there I and go yeah. go on the uh we used to go to seminars and bits and pieces up in london and whatnot that's cool do, do you think there is a and one question i asked mark chen my mate on the podcast and a few other people who've been in the game a long time do you actually think there is a difference uh, between the BJJ player then and the BJJ player now, as far as motivations are concerned? And something else I picked up on that you mentioned is that num- dumbing down of the noise back in the day. There wasn't all the noise. I mean, there was Dele- mm. there was no Delaheva, but it was, but it was not played. It was it, it was, was all a specialized guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was all about the you know closed guard half guard you know and and mm. that was you know it was very limited so you didn't get your brain didn't get um as overcooked with information back in the day i don't feel um so as far as motivation is concerned do you see a difference in bjj players even in yourself back in the day and to people who are taking up jiu-jitsu now so this is this is really interesting. This is one of the things I'm often chatting to my other instructors about is is people's motivations for starting jiu-jitsu, right? For for like what what brings people to do it in the first place, right? It's it's 90% of the time absolutely nothing to do with sport jiu-jitsu. Like no one starts Brazilian jiu-jitsu thinking, "Wow, yeah, I want to lay on the ground and spin on my shoulders and do all that kind of stuff." Most people want to do it because they want to be able to kick ass, right? They want to be able to defend themselves. They've seen it used in MMA. It looks like it looks incredibly effective and that's what they want to do. What tends to happen though, they don't expect all the nuances around jiu-jitsu, particularly nowadays, right? They don't expect all these details and the intricacy. They think they're going to do a bit of jiu-jitsu, a bit of Thai boxing, and they'll be a ninja in no time. And then they can go off into the world and, you know, be a superhero or whatever. However, they get drawn in. Like, I think, you know, I don't know if all you guys like do jiu-jitsu, but I think anybody who does jiu-jitsu realizes quite how addictive it becomes very, very quickly. So as soon as you start getting to grips with, oh, I understand this underhook principle or this head control principle or how to move my hips and wow, okay. And then you start looking into sport jiu-jitsu more because you see the guys that are kicking your ass are the guys that are doing competitions. And it gradually lulls you into this sport jiu-jitsu kind of dialogue. And then you never leave it. You know, that the whole gym tends to tends to revolve around sport jiu-jitsu and what that is these days. So I have to I have to constantly talk to my instructors and try and schedule in like sessions or eight week rotations of the fundamentals, 
the self-defense aspects, just to kind of bring people back to, you know, what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is and say, hey, look, you know, you can't even do a takedown or, you know, how you defend against a punch or, you know, the basics, you know, what it's what it's uh, what it's about at its core. So do you, I think, uh, do you, is there a bit of reluctance for people to take that on, Darren? Because obviously the thing is, and again, myself, I come from an MMA background and I'm really keen on, I love sport jiu-jitsu. I've compete, me and Adam compete, we, you know, a lot and go to Europeans and whatnot. Yeah, it's awesome. But I, but I come back, uh, I come from an MMA background and I really do notice the difference between, you know, what would work in a real situation and what is used as in MMA, you know, how often do yeah, you see yeah. people using, you know, these more advanced guards, you know, X guard and whatever it, you don't really, it's very, very rare, you know, in, in a real situation. And I wonder if there is a, a reluctance almost for people to want to see the reality of this of the jiu-jitsu that they do in a real situation because almost it 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 makes um a almost an opposite of why people have started like you say people have started to kick ass but then they realize the people's asses they're kicking are not punching them in the face yeah, yeah. and then you want to change that up and teach them that but actually once you teach them that you realize that what you're doing is not going to help you in that situation you know inverting does not do anything for your facial features in a real fight you know, it's, <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah a, it's, a, it's a bad thing do you know what i mean and, yeah. and i and i find that not all the time but there could be a bit resistance because what you're basically saying is all that stuff that you're working on the sport jiu-jitsu side may not be applicable in a real situation and that is exactly why you started do you find that is a reluctance do you think yeah, so that's a really that's a really good question. So I, I think I'm con again I'm constantly having these discussions. I like to keep it real because we we have an MMA element. We have a lot of guys that used to be MMA fighters who want to be MMA fighters, um, and I'm obviously I'm very aware all the time that when people start jujitsu, like I say, like ninety percent of the time, probably more than ninety percent of the time, they do it because they want to learn self defense, right? But what happens is it lulls you into this kind of sport jiu-jitsu environment. Everyone gets kind of caught up in that, myself included. And then we kind of get drawn into this success is measured by competition medals and things like that. So what I like to do sometimes is I like to bring it back, like add the self-defense element. But also I like to we've done it a few times. We've put boxing gloves on the jiu-jitsu guys when they're when they're grappling with their geese on and everything. And I'm always surprised. I think people are going to moan. They're going to be like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. You know, I want to practice my lapel guard, you know, or whatever. And uh, they love it. When we do those sessions, we stick the boxing gloves on people. Like, I'm often surprised at how many people want to bring it back to the self-defense core of jiu-jitsu. Like, it's very easy for me to forget that that's why people started. So although they get caught up in jiu-jitsu and sport jiu-jitsu, and some people, don't get me wrong, you're absolutely right, some people will be like, ah, oh, Jesus, I don't want to get punched in the chops. You know, I just want to invert. I want to do my sport jiu-jitsu. I want to practice this sweep. You know, I want to get my advantages. Um, but the majority of people, they're they're more than happy to return to the, 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 the self-defense side of things. And often... What happens is people, there'll be a UFC on or something, right? So everyone will be buzzing. They'll have watched the UFC. They'll have watched someone like Damian Meyer take some other guy apart. And they'll be like, you know, talking about that. And I'll be like, aha, here's an opportunity to bring people back to what I consider to be like the core Brazilian jiu-jitsu fundamentals. You know, none of this sport jiu-jitsu, which I love. You know, I compete myself. I always have done. And, and I love it. And I've got some some pretty high level competitors around me that, I, you know, they kick my ass a lot of the time. It's really tough to keep up with these guys who are purely focused on sport jujitsu, you know, but I love that aspect of it. And I also love that they test themselves with the MMA aspect or the self-defense aspect. So we try and keep a really kind of open conversation and open kind of idea of what it is that we're training it's very difficult to be thorough with all aspects of it 
you know, we're probably 90% sport jiu-jitsu, but I feel like sport jiu-jitsu is one of those things that overlaps into the other areas, depending how it's taught, more than any one of the other areas, right? So you, you could train MMA your whole life and you could still compete in sport jiu-jitsu, right? You'd know how to compete, you'd know what to do. You could do self-defense jiu-jitsu and compete in sport jiu-jitsu and you'd have some idea what to do, right? Um, you could only train in sport jiu-jitsu and you'd still be able to defend yourself and you'd still be able to do MMA. None of these would be wholly successful uh, transition, but the, the overlap between those three segments I think is so big that um, that's one of the things I love about jiu-jitsu. Whichever direction you go in, like it's so it's so much more knowledge than the person who doesn't do jiu-jitsu, you know? And you can see why it takes, you know, I think people from the outside are now recognizing why it takes so long to get a black belt, or it should take so long to, to get a black belt in BJJ yeah. because it took me long it, enough. <laughs> it, well, the, the thing is, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm probably the same as you, you know, be, been in it a long time, and it and it and it's and it kind of becomes irrelevant, I think, in the end, um, essentially, yeah. uh, because like you say, and the same for me, um, you know, I've had my ass kicked by, you know, pl plenty, plenty of different coloured belts than the one I am. So it makes absolutely zero difference at, at the end of the day. But, um, but again, that's the best humbling part about jiu-jitsu, I think, you know, and it, and it, and it just, it definitely uh, helps you move forward. Adam, you had a question for Darren. Do you want to go with your question? Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I got a cough. It's not coronavirus. Right. It's not coronavirus. It's <laughs> right. So back to the business side of things. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, me and Dave have got the gym up here, um, mm. and we're uh, going through life with its pitfalls and its um, good things and bad things. What's the worst thing, the most challenging thing you've you've encountered in the gym, apart mm. from this coronavirus? Okay, so it's a big question. So there's initially the hardest, one of the hardest things, like I said, I, I started the business in the middle of a recession. Um, so I had, a, I had a job in engineering. I've been doing that for around 10 years. It looked like the company was folding. I, I took the I took the option. I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to turn this this small club into an academy and make it my business maxed out all my credit cards built the gym you know by myself um and just went for it and that was that was tough that was difficult but i thought you know if i if i can do it in a recession then you know it, it can get a lot worse than that you know and uh, and and to be fair ever since then it's it's grown and, it, and it's it's done it's done well for itself you know despite the initial early years the struggle to recoup the finances and uh um, there was, there was one other kind of, um, struggle that I've had in terms of expanding the business. Um, I built, I built another academy up in Taunton and that, that was probably a stretch too far. So that, that really, that really stretched the business financially and it stretched me emotionally as well. So we, we took on a, a couple of business partners up in Taunton and uh, we all worked together and we got the gym built. Um, but, you know, relationships broke down. It's kind of a classic case of, you know, business and friendships not working. And things became strained, became a, a real emotional battle, became quite a toxic relationship. And um, I had to back away from that. I had to back away from that because I started to lose my passion for jiu-jitsu. I started to lose my passion for running the business. I started to neglect my Torquay Academy. And, um, you know, I ended up putting on a ton of weight. I was getting injured all the time. I was miserable. And um, at some point, I had to make the decision to kind of say, right now, like, I've got to compartmentalize this. I got to put, you know, the Taunton Academy over here. I need to focus back on the Torquay Academy. Um, I need to I need to find myself again. I lost a ton of weight, got back to training, really started focusing on the academy again. 
um, for a little while I felt I felt super guilty that I I wasn't giving enough focus and enough attention to the guys in Torquay they it was it was evident it was obvious that I was I was off spending a lot of time in Taunton and not really paying attention to them so uh, when I when I kind of when I sorted my shit out got back to it man I was I was super happy again. I was loving training, loving the business moving forwards. I was loving just seeing how all the students were thriving again. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big lesson for me not to not to overstretch the business side of things and not mm. to get not to get caught up in too much emotional turmoil. It was kind of like remember what you're doing this for. You know, you're doing this because you you love jujitsu. You love watching people grow. You love running the business. If you're not loving it, then what the hell are you doing it for? Like, yeah. but it's very easy to fall out of love with it sometimes, you know. So, uh, yes, got to keep reminding myself, keep that focus, keep that introspective conversation going. And uh, yeah, now loving life. Well, until this bloody virus came along, I was loving life, absolutely loving the academy and the the, the sort of moving to the new premises. So, those are the two most difficult things i think i've encountered in terms of running a business yeah. and my relationship to that business and jiu-jitsu my passion mm. do you set goals down business-wise do you set do you sort of give yourself quarterly targets or um... so no not really not really what we what we tend to do um so we've got i've got a couple of shareholders okay we've got a, we've got i've uh, got vicky matt Josh and myself are the four main shareholders of the academy. So Josh runs the, the, the Muay Thai program, Vicky runs the kids program, Matt's the investor, and I run the jiu-jitsu side of things. Um, so these guys are really great. Like they 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 let me run the academy as as I see fit for the most part. I always run things by them, include them in all the all the conversations, all the decision making and everything. Um but we don't really set like quarterly targets. It's not run as a kind of profitable business. In fact, just have my accounts back. And this is the first year we've turned a profit in 10 years, mainly because the, the main investors are actively involved in the business. So they're instructors. So if we're doing well, then we can afford to pay our instructors, our shareholders, a better wage for their contribution to the gym. So instead of running it like a profitable business that pays dividends, we tend to run it, I guess, more as a kind of non-profit organization, I, I suppose. Um, but what, what, what I'm very conscious of doing is not taking money out of the business. Um, what I like to do is reinvest in the maintenance, upgrading equipment, making sure people are getting paid well, um, and just making sure that the business has the the agility to be able to grow. I've seen so many gyms over the years where someone's like opened a gym, bought themselves a flash car, two years down the line, the gym's collapsed and they've got nothing left, right? Yeah. Other than like this big ego that they had. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of be humble, keep putting money back into your business, look after the people who work for you, work with you, look after your students, reinvest, and the rest will take care of itself. You know, we don't really run it, probably should run it as a bit more of a profitable company. And we'll probably look to do that more now. But early days, it, it wasn't really about the the profit margins. Do you think you're, this, the, the, the way you run the business is the reason you have a, obviously a good chance of surviving the COVID issue as to opposed to a lot of other gyms, because I mean, you, you do hear as gym owners, we, Adam and I hear a lot of crazy stuff about amounts of money that people are taking monthly out of their firms. They're like earning bankers wages out of BJJ gyms, you know, not, maybe that's a bit extreme, but you, know, yeah, I get you, you can, you can see that the survivability of a gym is you know in that sense is not going to be very good when someone comes accustomed to you know taking big uh money out of their gym whereas if you run it modestly and you run it for it almost seems like the right reasons not as yeah. much of a business but more of a, a a vocation and a business second do you think that is going to be a key element in this 
um, in this coronavirus sort of time to how well a gym can survive? Yeah, I, I do. I, th- I think it's, I have this discussion quite a lot. So, um, so what I've noticed as we grow as a business, you end up with a lot more customers who are, who treat the business more like they treat a Starbucks, for, for example, right? So we have a lot of members and, and we're really lucky in that we have, we have really good relationship with our members and our students and we try and keep, we keep in contact with them. You know, it's not a kind of cold, hard kind of um, conversation or cold, hard narrative. It's more of a case of like, we really care about our members. If someone's got a problem, if someone's upset, you know, someone's been charged too much or something like that, you know, we'll immediately fix it. Like we're on it. We want to know that everyone's having a good experience. Um, I can't really speak to other gyms, but you know, you can see a lot of what goes on on Facebook, right? There's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of narcissistic behavior. There's a lot of like, and I think, Whoa, I wouldn't want to be part of that gym. That just looks like a really like, shitty environment to be in um and i think yeah i'm i'm super lucky and i was i was really touched that the majority i mean probably as much as 99% of them, i think we probably had maybe maybe eight cancellations in total um and that was a lot of those people were people that had you know financial difficulties and we were like look no worries like don't worry about it mm. um but we've also had a lot of people saying, look, you know, we want to support the academy. Can I sign up? And it's like, look, look, you don't need to do that. Like, I really appreciate the offer. Um, you know, members who have drifted away and come back, you know, we all have those members that drift away. Um, but yeah, I was super touched at the at the feeling that I got from all of our students and all of our members that they were willing to support us. Um, I'm always a little bit cautious because for the first month i thought yeah you know goodwill that's gonna last if people are starting to struggle financially things like gym memberships and stuff they're gonna go right so that's why i thought it's much fairer and it makes much more long-term financial sense to discount people's memberships for a period of time whereas if you rely on people I mean, they would, I've no doubt, like they're like people are super lovely and they really care about the academy. But I would personally not feel right about taking people's full memberships for the entire like one, two, three, four months, potentially. Um, and just offering an online service, because I, I, I don't think there's a lot of value in online coaching to be fair you know i mean it's it's all we can do at this time but uh yeah i wouldn't feel i wouldn't feel right it's not to say it's the wrong decision i might be completely wrong i might come back in two months time and i'll have no students and no money and you know we'll be screwed but uh, I, I guess it's the connotation behind it though isn't it darren because i i think for some people and um, again me and adam are avid observers you know uh more probably voyeuristically of, of facebook, <laughs> of facebook you know Jim, yeah of course but i think it's uh, it's good because you pick up you know the good practices and you pick up the not so good practices and you pick out mm. what you want to be and i think there's 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 the type of gym that are offering um you know uh online content because they want to support their people and i think that is evident in how it's delivered but i think there are other gyms that are trying to deliver content because they are just justifying the fees that they're charging and that there's two mm. i think there's two very different connotations there and i also think that it, you know it, it is a sign of a you know a good loyal gym that 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 your members are ha- willing to stick with you because we've got their back and they've got our back you know and that's yeah yeah a really nice position to be in um and I'm, I'm sure not everybody's in that position but it reminds me of that thing like i don't know what firm it was if anyone else can remember but it was like um it was a, they had a slogan like uh large enough to compete small enough to care it was like a bank or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i kind of think that rings true in these situations where you do get huge great big gyms and people are a number 
Whereas yeah, if yeah. you can still maintain that where the coach still knows everyone's first name, do you know what I mean? And you're not just a bod walking through the door. You're, you know, you, you, you matter to those coaches, your presence. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's so many jujitsu guys now. I, I, I do not remember everybody's name and I often get their names wrong. And I pr- apologize. For Let's you try, Derek. Let's you try. You know, but, but yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I try my best and, I mean, it's probably going to ruffle a few feathers this conversation because I know a lot of people are working on that on that kind of business model at the moment, um, and understandably so. You know, like not everybody's in the same position. Some people, like maybe they don't get their you know government grant money. You know, maybe they don't have reserve funds. Maybe they don't have a plan. Maybe business is not their forte. You know, it's certainly not mine. But I'm trying to get better at it. And I'm trying to learn as I go along, and I'm trying to do what's fair. And um, one of the things I'm really intent on and got so touched by by all the members and how much support they've shown. And even now, like I thought, oh, maybe after the first month, people will be like off doing other things and they'll cancel their memberships. But they really haven't. And I'm, I'm super, super grateful for that. And one of the things that I really want to do uh, is I'm really excited about doing is when we move to this new academy, if I can ever get these bloody solicitors to get their ass in gear is I want to reward all these students. You know, I know it's not necessary, but I really want to show our appreciation by like, you know, it's a shiny new Academy, you know, give them some seminars, give them some workshops, like let's have some like interclubs, like let's have some fun. And I really want to like thank all these people for all their support over this time, you know, and I'm excited for us to kind of get back and and do that and for me to be able to like give back to these guys who have been supporting us you know and christ knows how long this is going to last you know uh who who knows um and hopefully my idea of how to run a business and an academy isn't the wrong one and we do still have one to go back to um but yeah i i think talking to all our, our business partners and students and having that open conversation uh yeah it looks like it looks like we're, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be okay. Brilliant. Jordan, you had a question for for uh, Darren. Do you want to go with your question? Yeah. So uh, being a gym owner and instructor, of course, uh, I think sort of 90% of the people that walk in the door know what jujitsu is and know sort of what they're getting themselves into. But of course, uh, my brother's sort of a gym owner. And of course, Adam's told me a few horror stories. Um, are there any particular sort of memorable encounters or uncomfortable situations you've faced uh, being sort of on the back end of things? <laughs> yeah, so many. Um, <laughs> not many I can talk about, but yeah, so many, man. <laughs> Come on, Darren. They're, they're probably not listening. <laughs> That's funny, that being yeah, in the changing room, Dan. That's your big, biggest horror, isn't it? There, there, there are some people out there. Uh, the fear of me being on a podcast, knowing what I know about what's <laughs> what's happened in and around the academy, man. They got to be, yeah. So, um, so, so no, I'm not throwing anybody under a bus. Uh, we did, we did have, we did have a, a few like first time. We've had some issues with some first timers and things, some some awkward moments and things like that. You know, we had um, we had one guy who ate a bag of chip shop chips like on his first training session or one of his first training sessions. I literally finished scoffing it before he came in the door and, you know, 15 minutes. Dorito fingers. Say again? Like Dorito fingers. No, no, like like, he was was a skinny dude, but he had a big old bag of chips, right? And he smashed these back. Like I don't even think he took time to chew the things. He just kind of like wolfed them back. And then... um, yeah like 15 minutes into the warm-up legs it off to the toilet and projectile vomits all over the walls i didn't even make it into the toilet like just chips stuck chips and stomach acid just stuck to the walls in there it was gross Um, and i felt sorry for the lad he's only a young lad you know he 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 obviously didn't intend for that to happen but that was awkward because that's when we were back in the small gym when 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 you knew us back then ad um it was a tiny little you know shoebox toilet in the corner stank everyone knew what had just happened poor ladder to walk back out of there across the mat to the front door you know um i think uh, probably another 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 amusing one that happened uh was we had a we had a young lad that was training with with one of the girls on the mat 
and um someone came running across the map to me and they were like oh my god there's an issue um the lad's got a boner i was like ah oh, <laughs> shit what do about that um <laughs> but yeah i mean you know like like she was she was fine about it the poor boy was embarrassed he, he went off and sorted himself out and then uh yeah we, we were all good but um yeah like general embarrassing awkward stuff just like you know, the same as everybody else, having those conversations about body odor, you know, about the guy that comes in that wants to be a cage fighter and then gets his ego all dented when, you know, he gets beaten up by someone half his size. But uh, nothing, nothing too crazy, at least nothing that I can really divulge without upsetting a large portion of the UK population. <laughs> Do you feel like with sort of all your experience with this though you have a pretty good system as to how to sort of address the sort of common issues sort of like body odor? Do you sort of have a flowchart in your head as to how to sort of address these things? I mean not specifically for the body odor thing. I mean we do like we, we like it has to be dealt with you know in, in the fact that if there is an issue and someone's brought it to our attention um you know, it, it's, we have to address it. So I, I'll, I'll pull them to one side so it's not embarrassing. You know, it's private and have a, a sort of sensitive discussion with people. Um, we do have a whole set of, you know, um, child protection protocols, health and safety. Um, I've recently done all sorts of like uh, like staff contracts, uh, contractor contracts, which lays out, you know, who your line manager is, who you report to and who the health and safety representative is and who deals with this but in reality like the the sort of the four the well the, the three owners that are teaching at the gym they tend to deal with most of the incidents um and everybody's on the same page they're all pretty delicate about it you know it's uh it's not quite so specifically laid out but um yeah i think like we're pretty good at dealing with pretty much and we've had pretty much any and every situation you can imagine has arisen at some point so I, I think we're pretty we're pretty well versed at dealing with these things and I, pr I would like to say actually uh Vicky Todd she's uh she's one of the owners she's um she's our like health and safety representative so she's the person that, like if there's something I'm not comfortable dealing with I'll take it to Vicky and she'll deal with that <laughs> you know so I got to give her props for dealing with some pretty awkward situations yeah so uh, she's she's my fallback brilliant one of the things we have spoke about recently i just want to get your you know your opinion on it um because we spoke to a couple of others is um mm. just generally around the traditional martial arts and where you see that how you see that plays a part in um like modern martial arts now with the bjj scene you know how it's looked at what's your opinion about traditional martial arts do they still have a place in you know society now what, what, what's your what's your take on it darren so um so i i like i like traditional martial arts not enough to actually do them but they have a place i think there's there's a lot of people out there that would feel a lot more comfortable doing a i won't single anyone out but do a a, a traditional martial art um doing some martial art is better than doing no martial art right if you've got some coordination great you know if you can if you can coordinate yourself you've got some fitness you've got some uh, agility some spatial awareness you know all these things no matter what it is um i disagree with the argument where people you know dismiss traditional martial arts i've tried a whole bunch of them and yeah, I probably wouldn't trust many of them to be of any use to me in a real street fight, but it's better than having nothing. And I see it as a, a bit of a stepping stone, really. You know, you get a lot of timid people who maybe they don't want to put themselves on the line with something like jujitsu, you know, let alone doing something like MMA. You know, there's like the, the further up the scale you go, the more scary it gets. So it's like saying, 
well, if you don't do this, then there's nothing for you. You know, they have to do something, you know, and a lot of times that can be enough to build confidence for people to take another step up that ladder. You know, they might learn a traditional martial art and think, I don't know, do you know what? I want to do more. Maybe I want to learn some groundwork to go with my taekwondo or, you know, whatever. And I, I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great thing. You know, I've, I've, there wasn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu around when I started and I did uh, taekwondo and hapkido and, uh, you know, well, I don't know what else I do. I've done all sorts of stuff. Um, Kung fu and, you know, they all have a place. I've got a theory on this, Darren. I've got a theory on this because I think... Go on, hit me with it. Well, I think... And I might be be way off. But I think because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I would say what was considered probably the real martial arts was so difficult to come by back in the day that all you had really to fulfil that sort of learning... Uh, need that one had was traditional martial arts Mm. Uh, and I think you know there's no doubt about it early days MMA was built off the back of traditional martial arts you know there there wasn't really anything else and until you had Hoyce Gracie bowling and and it it was that was all you had to work on 100% yeah and I think because more than modern day guys and the serious guys either look for the purely practical and they can go straight to an MMA gym because there is one at the bottom of their road or a BJJ gym because there is one. There's like 10 black belts in one town, whereas yeah, there, wasn't, yeah. there wasn't one black belt in the UK when I was, you know, starting out. Um, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. You know, so I, 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 it's interesting because we've had a few different answers and I just wonder whether it, it seemedly, um, is that the the guys that have been a bit longer in the tooth in the game are a little bit more accepting of the traditional martial art and what it can offer? Do you know what I mean? Because I, I yeah. guess it's like anything. When when you when you're starving, you've got to eat the bread and the water. It's not the best. <laughs> it's not the yeah, best. Yeah. Visit, but at the end of the day, it'll give you some substance to work from. You know what I mean? That 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 sort of thing. So it, it's it's interesting the way you answer that, and and also having tried a load of different you know, a bunch of different uh, traditional martial arts. Um, yeah. I'm guessing... Well, there wasn't anything, right? There wasn't anything oh. around when I started out. So I was actually, and I'll fess up to this, I was too afraid to walk into a Muay Thai gym. It was too intimidating. And I didn't do it in the end. And I went home and asked my parents, and they were like, no, you can't do it anyway. You're not allowed to. It's too brutal. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, secretly, I was quite happy. You know, I was... But who knows, if I'd have walked into that Muay Thai gym, I might have been a Muay Thai teacher now, not a jiu-jitsu teacher. Um, so there are a lot of traditional martial arts out there. And what I tend to find, I think there's two things. I think there's the people that find value in a traditional martial art because it gives them the coordination, the confidence, the um, the, the agility, the, the, the physical ability. And then there's those people who will just turn to the first thing that's on their doorstep because frankly these days people are pretty lazy you know and also education right they don't know there's a whole plethora of things out there and they get lied to on a daily basis about anything and everything so how the hell do you know what to choose if you want to defend yourself you look at jiu-jitsu and you think that just looks ridiculous why am i going to learn that I want to learn karate. I want to learn Thai boxing. That looks much more effective because I've seen it in the movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll they'll pretty much go to the first, the thing that's closest to them as a priority. And then after that, it'd be the thing that looks fanciest. And that's mm-hmm. it. I think those are the two driving factors these days is proximity and how cool it looks. It, I think it definitely is still the case. So I don't know whether you agree that the guy that walks into the gym who even has a traditional martial arts background or, or or anything, even a boxing background, can show um, a quick progression because yeah. they just have that coordination. They've got that mentality. Do you know what I mean? It does. Yeah. Not all the time. Don't get me wrong. There's some. I've seen people who've literally done nothing before and just rock it and become really proficient really yeah. quickly. But I definitely think that any, like you, any martial arts experience, 
you know that you know for those people out there that have kids that don't have a BJJ school around a corner or some are a bit too pricey or whatever or yeah. they're not maybe you don't you know you don't blend with the instructor or it doesn't appeal to get your kids into any martial art is um is a I think is a really strong start whatever whherever it may be it, it's kicks them off on a discipline and that that just I mean I, I love a wrist lock Darren I definitely didn't get my wrist lock game out of anyone who knows me knows that now I'm I am confessing that's it, it's with a very heartfelt apology nah man <laughs> don't apologize for wrist locks I, I love wrist locks nah, it's all good I think I think for me there's there's two main things right with um with with that line of thinking with the kind of the type of person that does traditional martial arts I think I think you get two different types I think you get the type that knows how to learn something they know how to focus they know how to listen and they know how to start from the beginning and and work up right so I think there's a lot to be said for people who have previously trained something and I tend to find the people that have done something, uh, how can I say, a little bit more combative, like either full contact karate, uh, boxing, judo, like they understand the importance of the physicality of the sparring, right? So they understand, like, I need to know that this works, right? Whereas a lot of people can get away without doing the sparring element. But then you also, you get the other type of person who has spent a long time I don't want to use the term brainwashed. It's more like being kind of kept in, inside a little bubble and being being told that what they do is like the best thing ever and they don't need anything else. That really close-minded kind of instructorship, you know. Um, and those guys, when they do, and they do tend to, try something else, um, they have massively inflated ideas of how well they're going to perform and it's a real struggle it's a real test for them to think that they're up here and then to try this thing that they thought they was going to pick up like that and suddenly to discover that they're man they're right back at the beginning and I always have a massive amount of respect for people who can come from you know somewhere like that somewhere where they're like a high level performer and then they don't have to be a high level performer or think they're a high level performer and then start right back down at the beginning without letting their ego stop them frankly i think we've got one of the best examples in a guy at our gym called dave cavana who is sixth dan judo okay wow. trained international you know people to really high level high level comps and started with us as a white belt and you know what just you know and he's and he's he won't mind me saying he's not a youngster <laughs> either <laughs> he's, he's 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 mature in the game and yeah. um i think those those people like that definitely proved to, to the rest of us that you know it, it doesn't matter where you are in your in your martial arts journey there's no there's no there's no qualms in putting a white belt on in fact no one cares. You know, we yeah. are all very, very aware of what he can achieve. achieve he, kills, he's, he kills all of us. He kills all of <laughs> us. And we, and we, it's that everyone humility, Everyone looks right? up to him. Yes. Yeah. It's that humility. And you, you, you've got to respect someone who can just be humble, start at the beginning and work their way up. I know, in fact, judo is a great example. I know so many high-level judoka. We've got, like, Adam, you know, Cy Phillips, right? Yeah, yeah. Side. <laughs> you trained with Cy before. Yeah. Like, he's an absolute beast. Ex-British yeah. squad. One of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. Like, absolutely lovely dude. We've got, um, again, an ex-British judo squad, uh, Scarlett Walcott, who's who's trained. She's not training at the moment, but she was training with us. Again, super humble, starts from the beginning, gets on with it. I think it's people that are there for the learning, you know. I've got Stuart Kingston as well, another very, very high-level judoka. Start from the beginning. I think there's something about people who have trained and competed, well, not necessarily competed, but trained in combat sports particularly, who have that thirst for knowledge, but also the humility to understand the benefits 
of starting from the beginning and working their way up through the whole thing. No, no shortcuts, right? No half ass in it. You know, I get a lot of, lot of boxers actually who want to do some jujitsu or even some, some Muay Thai, same kind of attitude. And I always try and relate to these people in a way that they're going to understand, you know? So if we're doing guard passing, I'll, I'll talk to the boxer about, you know, use your hips, like push your hip forward, like you're doing a, you know, a straight right or a left hook or whatever. And if you can relate to them on that level, man, those guys that have done combat sports before, they thrive. They'll pick it up. If they're proficient at something, something good like that, man, they'll kill it. They'll kill it. Yeah. But that humility can go across the board. You can have someone who's a, a high level uh, you know, executive for a, a large corporation or something, and they're used to being the best in their field. And even that transition from that kind of environment to being the bottom of the ladder in a jiu-jitsu class, say, that can sometimes be a very difficult dynamic uh, dynamic shift, you know, from being that top of the tree to being the bottom. Um, but I'm always like hugely respectful, not hugely respectful, but hugely like in awe of those guys that can make that transition and just put their ego to one side and be humble. And they understand the value of learning and being humble. Mm, that, that, is, yeah. that is sort of the beauty that comes out of martial arts. And I think you do... You do see in 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 people that that are I, I guess true to the word of it that is that is a quality you get out of those people isn't it and it's and it's the it's the nice thing I think out of you know running a BJJ club you know being in the sport that it does you know on the whole it doesn't produce assholes it produces it yeah. produces good people so that is. Um, I know plenty of assholes as well, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, standard. On the whole, whole, yeah. They're mostly mostly good, humble (laughs) eggs, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or they get humbled, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. All goes around and comes around, doesn't it? uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. well, Darren, all I can say is it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you and having you on the show. It's been really, really interesting. Um, I know something we're keen to do uh, in the future, uh, I spoke to Adam about it, is doing like a, a, a fight analysis uh, podcast when we get some video oh, up cool. and running. So it'd be great if you wouldn't mind coming back and doing that with us. And That'd just, be absolutely um, awesome, yeah. Just chilling and watching some fights and, um, and just yeah. picking out some picking out some good stuff some good techniques that people can um you know go and and try elsewhere and and uh, any any background ground stories and just helping people's comp games i think is it's interesting to watch watch other fights and bits and pieces like that so it'd be really really good to have you back on the show to do that sort of thing if you're happy that would be awesome man yeah that'd be my pleasure it's, it's been it's been great chatting with you guys it's been really really fun and doing that fight analysis that's that's what I tend to do a lot of these days is is breaking down people's competition games, giving them some feedback on it, giving people things to work on. Um, mainly because I'm I'm often getting my ass kicked on the mat, so you know if I if I can coach them and use my mind a little bit, then that's that's cool. Yeah, I'm happy yeah, happy I'm to do that. Brilliant. That'd be great. It sounds like fun. Well, thanks for coming on, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no, it's cool. Yeah, thanks for all the best. Man. Wishing you all the best with the gym. Obviously. We're just all hoping that this all uh, sorts itself out, you know, as soon as. Um, but obviously for the best and for the safest for everyone as well. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. So really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, and thanks very much, Darren. Um, all the best. Thanks, George. Thanks, Cronk. Thanks, Kerry. And thanks, Adam. Thank you, Dave. Ciao, Thank Bella, you too, guys. And best of luck with your gym. I hope you guys can get back to it soon. Thanks, and, I, I know everyone's missing jiu-jitsu right now. So Cheers, uh, and we're gonna have hopefully to pay we get to visit. roll together soon. Definitely. We're going to have to pay you a visit and you can come to us as well. Always Wicked. Well. 100% up for that. Wicked. Lovely. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks again, guys. And see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Cheers, guys. Take care. Take care Cheers. Now.